So if you typically have dinner around six or seven, if you're on that kind of schedule and your aim is to go to bed between nine and 10, that's pretty good. But having a a heavy meal around 8, 8.30 and you want to fall asleep 30 minutes later could be pretty challenging. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And first off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Sunday. We got a special segment for you called Skill Set Sunday. The purpose of this episode is to help you hone a skill so that you can become a more effective real estate investor. And that skill is making healthy decisions with your body and mind that leads to investing decisions without regrets. And really, we're going to focus on daily nutrition, exercise, and sleep. And with us to do that is Jason Valadeo. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks for bringing me on. I'm excited to help out today as you've got the best listeners ever on this Best Ever podcast, and I'm just excited to try and share some of that knowledge with everybody to help them out. That's right, we do, and you're going to take us to another level. So a little bit about Jason. Jason's active duty in the Navy. First off, sir, thank you for what you do for our country, you and your colleagues. He's also a family and sports medicine physician, He has a passion for leadership and personal growth and is a coach with the John Maxwell team. He also wrote a book. It's called Exceptional Every Day, an Empowering Process to Unlock Your Why and Transform Your Life. So with that being said, Jason, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background, and then we'll segue right into nutrition, exercise, and sleep. Sure, Joe. So I've been in the Navy for almost 20 years, and for the first half of that, I was flying airplanes and also teaching at a major university, doing some coaching and also personal training, working with clients on nutrition and health changes before I ever became a physician. So I realized right away that trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle was going to be really important to any type of work that you do, whether you're a real estate investor or a physician like myself, a pilot in the Navy, or anything out there that your nutritional, your exercise and sleep decisions really can make or break how your day is going to go. And about nine years ago, I transitioned into becoming a physician. I also looked into getting more certified in things like nutrition and health because those things aren't really always covered in medical school per se. And a lot of doctors lack that kind of information. So I wanted to become more well-rounded so I could help more people. And so I've made this big investment in myself so I could help a lot of other people from every walk of life, just make better healthy nutrition choices and that way set them up for their career, whatever it might be. And I think coming on the show today was so important to me because of this chance of people that are investing in real estate really using their best mindset so they can make the best decision. Yes. And it's all connected. And as you said, how we approach nutrition, exercise, and sleep makes or breaks how the day goes. So should we talk about each of these separately or should we group them together? And do you have some thoughts on just the grouping of those three? 
Yeah, I think we could take a few minutes and go through each one, and that way it might be just easier for all of us to kind of take something from it. I think sometimes when we just put it all as one, it's a little yeah. harder to break down. So Good break down a little bit about proper food, meals, and then throw in some exercise and also the value of sleep and those kind of habits. So let's talk about proper food and meals. Nutrition, what do we need to know? So I think especially with the listeners that you have, which are amazing because these people are all out there trying to make really good real estate decisions for now and for long term, is finding a way to balance what they're eating. There's so hard to go through the minutia of this diet is best for you. You watch one thing on TV, go to social media, you see something else, you're like, oh, there's things about ketogenic diet, paleo diet, Mediterranean diet, and it's so confusing. And when people are trying to invest their time in other things like real estate, they don't have time to decipher this. So they want a quick answer. So I think one of the things to kind of make it so easy for everyone is to start thinking about things with food that are really easy to understand. For instance, if something is from the ground, from the earth, whole, without being processed, it's probably going to be a lot healthier for us. So one easy way to put that is I try to tell people, hey, think mostly about eating plants. And that could be everything from spinach, broccoli, tomatoes, there's so many things out there. And then fruits and vegetables, kind of putting them as a whole. Because once you go into that grocery store and everything's in a box, you already know that something's been done to it to bring down its nutritional value. And if you look at everybody out there that's putting information, it's really like, let's look at the simple ways. And so I try to teach my patients and clients, hey, start thinking about those simple things that you know are beautiful to look at. You walk around outside and you're like, well, it's a green plant. Maybe that's something healthy to eat. And Start putting that in your mindset is one way to really look at nutrition from a big world view. Mm -hmm. And thinking along those lines, I imagine what nutritional value does this have that I'm consuming right now? Because if it has no nutritional value, then you're not benefiting other than perhaps yeah. the short term psychologically. And I think one thing I would offer that I think really helps everybody is when you first wake up in the morning, now these are the tangible things that I think I really want your listeners to leave with is I put out a glass of water at night before I go to bed, anywhere from eight to 16 ounces. I actually put it in my bathroom. So I usually go in there first in the morning, wake up, going to brush my teeth, get ready for the day. But I chug that first glass of water and I've done a lot of research. I've talked to a lot of other physicians and people out there that do nutrition. And they're like, that first glass of water can really make or break your day. None of us is allergic to water. Our bodies are made up 70% water, all of our cells, our bones, our skin. So getting that first glass in can really start the day off well for almost any person out there. Yeah, that's a great tip. That's something I've done for at least five years with a liter of water with a scoop of wheat glass. And it's the first thing I have. I've done that for at least five years. When you are thinking about sweets, I have had a battle with my sweet tooth for as long as I can remember, but recently I did something that fixed it or at least made me think about it differently. But in terms of sweet stuff or even salty stuff, maybe as someone has a salty palate, what are right. some tips for overcoming the sweet tooth or wanting a bunch of salty carb stuff? For sure. I think that is one of the greatest challenges that we run into because most of the foods that are at our disposal or that are quick to eat, something to give us quick energy, it has a lot of salt or sugar laden with it. And so we don't think about the ramifications that, hey, that might give me some quick energy, but then 20 minutes later, I'm tanking. So I try to tell people, especially if there's always a caveat to everything because there's people with all kinds of allergies, especially these days we're recognizing allergies more often. But 
if you don't have an aversion with fruits, you don't have an aversion to any kind of nuts like almonds, walnuts, even peanuts, cashews, pistachios, all kinds of different nuts out there, they're really satiated. So if you get them in their raw form and they haven't been overly processed, you can have nuts around, you can have different fruits around, you can have different vegetables like peppers and things like jicama, things that people don't think about that are crunchy, that can almost give you that substance of eating a candy bar or something that is going to just fill you up. And having those around, whether it's at the workplace, at home in small containers that you would reach for first. I tell a lot of my patients, hey, have a small bag of almonds in the car with you. Keep an apple or an orange or a little bit of watermelon or grapes, even things that are higher in sugar content per se with some of the fruits that you might want to be careful with sometimes. It's okay to have them in small proportions. And I think when you can get in the habit of having those other foods with you, it's even better. And, and I was talking to a patient yesterday about, they asked me the difference between a sweet potato and a regular potato. Because there's almost a lot of bad information out there that all potatoes are bad. Well, the reason we've gotten in that mindset would say a white potato, for instance, is that most of it's processed because we usually get a bag of chips. If I was having a nice fresh baked potato, putting some chives on it or anything that you want, maybe a slice of avocado, things that you wouldn't think about. And you can really make those things healthy. And so I try to talk to people about all kinds of different foods. And then people are like, I've never even heard of that food before. Like when I brought up jicama. So do you want to find these things that are going to be satiating so that you're not actually reaching for more? You say jicama? Oh, it's amazing, Joe. You've got to try I've never heard of that either. (laughs) What is jicama? Well, now maybe it's it's spelled J-I-C-A-M-A. So I'm glad I didn't try to Google it. I wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah, no. (laughs) I think you and your listeners are going to be like, wow, this is an incredible root vegetable. Because my wife and I the other day actually chopped it up into making it look like French fries. Mm -hmm. A little bit of coconut oil in the oven and we fried it like they were fries, but I actually cut them up and eat them raw and it's amazing. It's got a crunch to it and it's got a kind of a different little flavor that you're like, wow, this is actually pretty good. And it's just a white root vegetable. I think you'd be surprised and everybody would really enjoy it. It's a Mexican turnip, otherwise known as. You got it. Yep, I see that. Okay, cool. Well, all right, so that's nutrition. Basically, the takeaway is eat as much plant stuff as you can and I'm not trivializing what you said, by the way. I'm just, just summarizing it in my own mind. I'm a simple oh, please. All right, so now exercise. That can take up a lot of time of your day, right? Or are there ways to shortcut that if you are running low on time? I definitely think so. I think we get so caught up in what other people are doing, and we look at kind of the crazes that are out there like CrossFit and this high-intensity interval training. It's all awesome stuff, and I love it. But that's not what the average person is able to do all the time especially in this new era, people aren't working just eight hours a day. Most people are working 10, 12 hours. They've got their kids in 20 different extracurricular activities. Perhaps in this realm with your listeners, they're all going out to look at multiple properties that they're considering investing. And so they're driving from one part of town to the other, or they're flying somewhere for a few days. So how do I fit this in? So what I try to talk to people about is if you can make it a part of your day, and that's even if it's 20 minutes, maybe it's 15 minutes one day, if you can build that in. So one easy way, again, like I brought up the water with the morning. Sometimes it's challenging for people to get up early. They go on to sleep in, hit that snooze button. But I think if you can start to think about it a different way where, hey, I take a shower every day, I brush my teeth, I eat a couple meals a day, I do this, make that just another thing that's a priority. So for instance, I tell a lot of people when they're first starting out, why don't you just find five minutes to exercise? And they're like, five minutes? How's that going to change my body? I'm not going to lose any weight. It's not going to get my heart rate doing better. I said, no, literally five minutes. 
and I talk to them about basic calisthenics that we all learned back in high school or before. Things like push-ups, jumping jacks, squats with no weight, lunges across your living room floor. Little things like that for five, maybe 10 minutes if you can fit it in before you start your day. Or perhaps you get off work and you do that right away before you have dinner or do anything else at home. And then I get to the point of, can you go for a 30-minute walk at lunch? Do you have to sit at your desk? Do you have to go out to eat every single day? I get it when there's business meetings and those things, but if you can simply step out of your office for say 20, 30 minutes and go for a nice moderate intensity walk, you're gonna be making huge differences and it really counts as exercise. And one thing I emphasize with a lot of people is that everybody's got different ailments. They may not be able to run or they may not be able to swim or jump, but most of us can walk. And even if we can't walk, maybe we're someone who is wheelchair bound, but we've got a lot of motivation after us that we want to be active. There's lots of other activities that are out there. And I just tell people, start slow, five, 10 minutes here, start building it up and see if you can just make it part of your daily routine. There's a documentary on, I think, Netflix, Netflix or Amazon, and it's called The Brain That Changes Itself. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. One of my patients asked me about it. Oh yeah. The physician who is the kind of who they're doing the documentary on. So he works, as you know, he works with people who might have lost a limb or um, just have some traumatic brain injuries, maybe a stroke or, or something else. And he says, don't try to get the person to do the perfect movement when they're doing rehab, just get them to improve a little bit. And same concept here. Don't try to get the 30-minute perfect exercise. Just get a five-minute exercise routine in, and then the momentum will take you the rest of the way. And I think one of the things, Joe, to add there, like what you were saying, just kind of build on that, is this idea of look at a way to keep moving in some way. And I think in this day and age, we're seeing a lot of people with stand-up desks. I've been using one now for a while. I find that it's great. You can sit down for a little while, maybe stand up, shake your legs out, and a lot of us are sitting at computers all day staring at a screen and it's one thing, maybe every 20, 30 minutes, get up and do a quick one or two minute walk or do a couple calisthenics, do some flexibility exercises. And then all of that adds up. There's been a great amount of research out there that's shown that you don't need to do 30, 40, 50 minutes in a row of exercise. You can break that up into five to 10 minute segments. And I think for a lot of your listeners, it's great because if they know they can do five or 10 minutes in the morning, maybe another five or 10 minutes in the afternoon and then another five, 10 minutes at night, you add that all together, you're looking at 15 to 30 minutes just right there. Whereas maybe before you didn't think of it that way. And now let's talk about sleep. Sleep's really hard for me to get <laughs> a decent amount of sleep consistently every night. Please educate me and perhaps some other listeners who have our sleep challenged. Yes. So I am one of those and that's why I care so much about it because I think that it goes along with the title of my book is trying to become exceptional at sleep and get better at it. And I think it does really affect so many people. And I I would say that in being a physician these last so many years, I've seen so many people come in about issues with insomnia. And those could be related to anxiety. It could be related to just aren't getting comfortable. The temperature in their house is just way too hot for them. Lots of things. It's not the right bed. And so I started thinking, how do we really start getting people to improve? And there are so many little tips out there. And some work for some and some work for others. And I've tried so many and a lot of them have failed at me. And that's why I care so much. So I'll give you a few of the insights. So we've done a lot of research. We've we've looked around at what really gets people to sleep well. And one thing that we've found constantly is that a colder type environment really helps. 
So you really want to keep the temperature of your bedroom at least 68 degrees or less. I know that can sound pretty cold to some people, but you started looking at temperature changes in the human body and anything over 68 degrees in the ambient environment around you can really affect you being able to fall asleep and stay asleep. And it's really those temperature shifts that do that. So throughout the night, if your house is getting heated up, if you don't have a ceiling fan or an air conditioner, it can start to get that core temperature within you much higher. And so I talk to patients and, and everyone I know about, hey, really try to get the room about 68 degrees or less. Another thing is, and this is what's killing most of us, is being on a computer, cell phone, tablet, anything that really has what we call blue light. So those rays that are emitted. TV screens, all of those things. And so one of the things I talk to patients about is, do you really need to have a TV in your bedroom? And I think that's one of the first things that I would recommend to people. If you're looking to get a good night's sleep, don't have a TV in your bedroom and try not to be in front of a TV, computer screen, cell phone, all those things I mentioned about an hour before you want to actually go to sleep. So I bring this up, Joe, it's really important and it's the scientific realm, but also just a little thing that all of us can learn from is, melatonin is that hormone within our brains that helps us fall asleep. And blue light actually shuts off our body's ability to make melatonin. So if we're not making melatonin, our body has a harder time going to sleep. It's kind of the same thing if you have coffee or other things with caffeine late at night, that they can keep you awake for a while. So looking at things like the temperature of the house, TV screens, computers, those things, turning things off, I also want to bring up maybe not having a really heavy meal within about two hours of bedtime. So if you typically have dinner around six or seven, if you're on that kind of schedule and your aim is to go to bed between nine and 10, that's pretty good. But having a, a heavy meal around eight, eight thirty, and you want to fall asleep 30 minutes later, could be pretty challenging. The stomach is trying to digest all those nutrients and it's difficult. Again, staying well hydrated. I've seen that exercise really helps people sleep better, but not right before bedtime. If you get a really vigorous workout a few minutes before you try to go to sleep, that's probably going to keep you awake because now those endorphins and hormones are all running. So I give those bits of advice because you're going to hear things now, especially coming out more and more that we all need eight, maybe nine hours of sleep a night. Whereas I'm one of those people that gets five or six and I'm really working on trying to get six to seven. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Joe, but that's where I suffer right now. Mm -hmm. With no heavy meals and staying hydrated, what about a glass of red wine or a beer within that hour, two hour window? Great, great question, because that's something that's getting a lot of attention. So it has been shown that alcohol can actually help you, especially in moderation, that it can help you kind of get ready to go to bed. But the issue is it typically helps a lot of people go to sleep, but it can actually wake them up earlier. So it might get you that midnight arousal where you wake up, so you go to bed at nine or 10 at night or even 11 you might wake up at one, two, three in the morning. And it does have to do with the way that it shifts cortisol in our body and the way that it affects all the other hormones. And so cortisol is a stress hormone that when we have high stress or it gets us going in the morning when we wake up and it can break our bodies down. So being very careful, but as I tell a lot of people, it's all moderation, a glass of wine, one or two beers, maybe a couple nights a week, if that's your thing, it, it may help you fall asleep, but it's one of those things where you really don't want to become dependent on it because your body will use it against you. Anything else as it relates to nutrition, exercise, and sleep that we haven't talked about that we want to briefly touch on before we wrap up? No, I think it's really just trying to find those simple balances, looking at foods that are easy to get to, trying to fit in some daily exercise, whether it's a few minutes here or there, and then really looking at your sleep patterns. And I think one thing that I would say that I didn't bring up earlier, start with a simple journal. Just go buy a journal for a dollar at a little dollar store somewhere and start keeping track and at least do that for a few weeks to start building those habits. And 
write down what time you wake up. Maybe write down how many glasses of water you're having a day. Write down all your exercise. Hey, I did five minutes at eight o'clock in the morning. I did another five at 12 o'clock and start to see those patterns build. And from that, you can really learn a lot. It's almost like watching the real estate market and deciding, hey, is this a good time to invest or not? And I think that writing things down makes them happen. So that'd be the other advice. I would. Yeah. And I just use a Word document. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I just password protect the Word document and put the day's date and bullet points underneath and that's it. And it's so fulfilling and rewarding and eye-opening and not necessarily all of those at the same time, depending on what I'm reading for what I have or haven't accomplished or what I was or wasn't thinking in prior years. So it's definitely a great tool for personal development. Well, thank you so much for sharing this very practical and actionable advice, Jason, from nutrition, exercise, and sleep. A lot of things that the best ever listeners can immediately implement today should they choose to do so. And I'm grateful for that. So thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. I've got a ton of free resources on my website that I keep updating. And that's at Jason, so J-A-S-O-N, Valadeo, V-A-L-A-D-A-O.com. JasonValadeo.com once again. And really, I'm not there to sell my book. I started building this website a couple of years ago where I was doing a once a week blog something that could really help people just make little changes in their priorities to get better. Because I think that's how we're going to make the world better is that we start to work on ourselves. In the end, that's what happens. And when I came up with my idea for the book and little things that I share within the book to help people do that, but really I'm putting a lot of free resources out there and I want people to come grab them. There's free nutrition things that people can print off, PDFs, little word pictures, things they can post on their refrigerator. I have all kinds of things on exercise, food, sleep habits, physical therapy type documents if you get injured. They're all free. All you do is simply download. You don't have to sign up for anything, my newsletter or anything whatsoever. Everything's just there for everyone to take. Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever weekend and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot, Joe. I appreciate you bringing me on. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, And in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast, hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer, interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com.